Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Welcome back to the Mistaken Identity Podcast. I'm Joe Flaherty. Frank and David have the day off to recover from an amazing content-loaded week of cultural conversations, so it looks like you're stuck with me today. We really hope you enjoy the series. I want to remind you that all of those episodes will remain live on our channels so that you can go back and access them anytime you'd like. Just some really thought-provoking stuff in each and every episode, and it's incredibly important to create a space to have some difficult discussions like the ones that were presented last week. So I want to commend the guys for coming up with that idea in the first place and then executing on it really well. But you typically can't hear my voice on the air without also hearing about baseball. And that's exactly what I'll be setting you up for today as we head straight into the dog days of summer. I promise I'll have more to say later this week about the great brand of baseball the Cubs have been playing lately that's catapulted them within a game of the division lead. And I also wanted to give a quick shout out to CJ Edwards, who has appeared on the podcast before and just signed a minor league deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. So we hope to see him back in the show very soon. But today, I wanted to hop in the Wayback Machine and take you back to a very special day on Clark and Addison in 1984 that became the hallmark game of a legendary career that many Cubs fans still talk about all these years later. Now, I was born in 1992, so I didn't have the opportunity to watch this game in real time, but you better believe the Sandberg game was one of the first stories my family shared with me from Cubs lore that had me hooked for life. Sandberg was in just his third season with the Cubs since being traded over from the Phillies in 1981, and at that point, he had already established himself as an elite defender with decent contact skills and good speed on the bases. But a late June meeting with the rival Cardinals not only solidified the Cubs as playoff contenders that year, it also began Rhino's march to Cooperstown. The Cubs found themselves down 7-1 to early, but fought their way back to within a run by the ninth inning. Sandberg had already driven in four runs at that point to jumpstart the comeback, but his day was only just getting started. The Cardinals turned to former Cub Bruce Suter to try to close the door in the ninth. Suter had won a Cy Young for the Cubs in 1979 and was in the midst of an all-star season in his own right with the Redbirds in 1984. Many people forget that Suter had already blown a save against the Cubs in April of that season, and unfortunately for him, his luck wasn't about to get any better just because it was a little warmer outside. Sandberg led off the ninth inning by sending a ball out onto Waveland Avenue to tie the game at nine. The Cardinals rallied for a pair of runs in the 10th, and Suter came within two strikes of redeeming himself but wouldn't you know, Sandberg got the best of him again with another game-tying two-run home run. It was the first time in Suter's Hall of Fame career that he had surrendered two home runs to the same player in the same game, and the Cubs would scratch across the winning run in the 12th inning on a Dave Owen RBI single. It proved to be the crowning moment in a magical season as the Cubs went on to secure their first playoff berth in 39 years by winning the National League East. And remember when that was a thing? We don't have to talk about what happened in the playoffs that year. It was just a pretty big deal that they got there at all. As much as he's talked about for his exploits on that day in 1984, I don't think Rhino gets enough credit for his full body of work as he should, because this guy could really do it all. No year was that more apparent than in the 84 season, where he basically filled up an entire trophy case in one fell swoop. He was named an all-star. He won the gold glove. He won the Silver Slugger, and he won the National League MVP, becoming the first Cub to do so since Ernie Banks 25 years prior. The only other Cub to ever claim all of those same accolades in a single season was Andre Dawson in 1987, and you can argue Sandberg's impact in 84 was even larger considering the Cubs made the playoffs that season and missed out in 1987. As a matter of fact, Rhino's output that year is tied with Jake Arrieta for the third highest wins above replacement value in a single season by a Cubs since 
outpaced only by Greg Maddox's Cy Young season in 1992, and Sammy Sosa's outrageous 64 home run, 160 RBI campaign in 2001. It just sounds like a cartoon when you read Sammy Sosa's stats. And I haven't even mentioned the fact that he was a threat running the bases as well, as he fell less than 20 homers shy of joining the 300 home run, 300 stolen base club, which is only occupied by eight men in the history of the game. I know I mentioned I wasn't born when this historic day went down in Cubs history in 1984, but I was around for Sandberg's Hall of Fame induction celebration at Wrigley in 2005, and one of my most cherished memories from my childhood days at the park was watching his iconic number 23 rise up the flagpole into retirement with my dad. Aisle 6, row 3, seats 1 and 2 for anyone who's wondering. I can go on about Rhino forever, but I'll let that day in 1984 speak for itself. Here's the great Bob Costas and Tony Kubek in a selection of calls from the Sandberg game. Now the hitter doesn't know what to look for. And the payoff. Line drive, base hit. Dernier rounds third. Zimmer says, come on home. Here's Lonnie Smith's throw. And he slides in safely. Sandberg takes second. the third base coach puts everything together on this play he knows the grass is slow he knows the speed of Dernier off second base he knows Lonnie Smith's throwing arm is not the strongest and he just keeps Dernier coming in when Lonnie Smith overthrew the cutoff man Art Howe Sandberg with his speed kept going look at the slide by Dernier away from the throw great coaching by Zimmer great base running by Dernier and Sandberg Could be another base hit. Uh-huh. Ozzy dives, but he has no play. There are a lot of shortstops to the figure. Why dive? I can't get up and throw anyway, but it's just a matter of I, I think his pride is so extreme, Ozzy Smith, that he just does not like to see a ball even get to the outfield grass. They feel, hey, even if I can't throw him out, I'm going to keep it inbounds. And then that dirt surface. Alan Lottie and Suter from the right side of the pen. Ozzie Smith throws Sandberg out. Johnstone crosses the plate at 7-2, and Dernier moves on to third with two out. He has the quickest first step of any shortstop I've ever seen, Bob, no matter which direction he's going. That's why he always seems to get a good hop. That's what's happened in this ballgame, 7-2. Ozzie reads hops off the bat as well as anybody. Watch out quickly. This ball hits in the dirt, and he has already started. He lays back on the ball. He might get an in-between hop. He's two for three. Tying run at the plate. Matthews on deck. Base hit. One in. Dernier waved home. He's gone. No count. Sandberg at second, but two runs scored. It's nine to eight. There may have been a chance at a play at home plate, but to show you Van Slyke and maybe with some help from Daryl Porter telling him to cut it off. They knew which one was the important run. The one they wanted to keep out of scoring position at second base. Had the throw gone through, it might have been close. 
But that one they cut down on second was important. Daryl Porter probably yelled out to Vance like to cut it. Good execution. Lonnie Smith hitting the cutoff man. But the Cubs have scored five in the sixth. 0-2 oh to Matthews. And the two guys who ignite their yeah. attack, Dernier and Sandberg, are a combined six for eight. They're each three for four. at the corners. Vance like especially down at third base to take the double away. Also even with the bag. For Bruce Suter they play a lot of right handers to pull. If you can hit that ball solidly that split finger it's going to be to the left side. Anytime in the hole. So Ozzie Smith way over toward third base. Tito Landrum playing Sandberg very deep in left field. On the outside corner, one and one. Another bit of defensive strategy. Herzog moving the outfield back. You're going to give the looping single to try and keep that hitter out of scoring position. So they're deep in center and left. Prevent the double or triple. steal if he wants it. His last time up, Sandberg homered to tie it at nine in the ninth. He's there, tying run at the plate now in the tenth. Vernier should take it if they give it to him. They remove the force at second base. Jorgensen at first play behind him saying you want to steal? Your run's no good. The 1-0 pitch. Got the corner one and one. Our game today was produced by Ken Edmondson, directed by Bucky Guntz. Mike Weissman is the executive producer of NBC Sports, coordinating producer of baseball, Harry Coyle. 1-1 pitch.
takes the ball and move over Willie McGee. <laughs> there may be a new player of the game. Fine Sandberg, six. five hits, including two home runs. Six Here's Ozzie, he took a bad hop, but that's nothing for him. He throws to Jorgensen. Wow, what a ball game. We will go to the 11th, it's tied at 11. Sandberg, in the Cubs' last at-bat, has twice delivered a game-tying home run, a solo shot of the night, a two-run blast with two out of the 10th. Back after this from your local station. Tony, not only can I not remember the last time I broadcast a game this good, I can't remember the last time I've seen a game this enjoyable, this entertaining. Well, you get those kinds here in Fenway Park, don't you, or Detroit's Tiger Stadium. Here's the second game-tying home run by Ryan Sandberg in the ninth and the tenth. How dramatic can you be? Five for six today. What a job, Dernier. And six walks and one-hit batsman. One of those walks intentionally given up by the bullpen of the Cardinals. And four of those have come back to haunt him and scored. That's what happened. They walked her near, and then Sandberg put it to him again. Salas bats for Landrum and pops it up. Sandberg wants it. They'll cheer his every move. He's got it. And more and more, Jimmy Fry, a man who coached for Earl Weaver, great Oriole teams, and saw... Bobby Gritch come up as a kid. More and more, Jimmy Fry says that this man, offensively and defensively, reminds him of Bobby Gritch, one of the most underrated players around. They had such great players with those Orioles. Gritch was overlooked, but they, they feel the like. They battle every ball. They rarely miss the ball. They turn the double play, and now Sandberg started for power, just like Gritch. Sandberg has seven runs batted in. There he is. It is early to start talking MVP. For all that he has done, aside from winning a gold glove last year, his first year, full year at second base, that is the man that Dallas Green wanted in the trade with the Phillies. He said, I'll make the deal if you throw in the kid, Ryan Sandberg. They threw the kid all right, didn't they? Oh. You can smile, Ryan. It's your first five-hit game for your career, and the seven RBIs is also a one-game personal high. That's it! Yep. Sandberg and Willie McGee will share our light beer for Miller player of the game. The Cubs who trailed 7-1, 9-3 trailed 9-8 in the ninth, 11-9 in the tenth they come back and win at 12-11 can't remember the last time I saw a better one. Back after these messages from your local station Hey everybody Joe Flaherty here with the Mistaken Identity Podcast we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We want to thank you for your continued support. 
We also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have written reviews, dropped some likes, and shared our shows as that has allowed us to grow beyond any of our expectations. As a matter of fact, we're excited to announce a new way for our loyal listeners to enhance their experience even more with our new membership feature. All you have to do is jump in the show notes and follow the link to our Patreon page where you can find access to a whole bunch of extra goodies for as little as $3 a month. You'll be given access to exclusive content, merchandise, behind-the-scenes video, early access to episodes, the ability to make special requests for guests, and much, much more. Now, if that sounds like something that interests you, head on over to Patreon and search Mistaken Identity Podcast, or simply follow the link in our show notes to join the likes of Nancy Sullivan, Alice Daniels, and Kathy Chester at the Rookie level, all the way on up to the Hall of Fame level with longtime listeners Kathy Weedley and Kathy Grossman. As always, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time.